Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in again live today. Uh, today is Sunday, August 6th. It is 1 p.m. You are watching the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group here live on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. Um, if this is working for you and you can hear me, I'm coming through clearly. Please do me a favor, drop a comment in the chat box or give the video a like or do something to indicate that, yeah, hey, coming through all right. Um, and please tag a friend who loves tattoos. Maybe it's someone interested in getting a tattoo or someone that wants to become a tattoo artist. Um, tag everyone you know that loves tattoos. I mean, why not? The, the merrier. And welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams, real world events to share and inspire and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. We beam out nearly every day and with your help have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You can find Reinventing the Tattoo on both of the app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, as well as our Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube channel, our Reinventing the Tattoo Roku channel, which has 12 to 15 episodes going at any given time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week and is available on all Roku-enabled devices. You can also find Reinventing the Tattoo in all of the major podcast directories, such as Apple and Spotify. Or you can do what most people do and just do a search in your browser for Reinventing the Tattoo, and you'll find it all. Except for the book, which is still currently out of print. I'm still trying to get my hands on a copy again, but if you come across a copy and you're trying to sell it, let me know. I will be happy to buy it off of you. But no matter where you are watching live or on demand, you can always get the latest and greatest, most up-to-date information, all available at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. You can try it out for free. You can pick one uh, of three options. You don't have to subscribe right away. We have what the first option is a sample webinar from the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. Your second option is advice from Guy about your unique goals um, and setting goals and achieving goals. And the third option, which for all the other tattoo nerds out there, um, and it's my favorite option personally, is a comprehensive tattoo history course from Jay Brown. Um, absolutely phenomenal, by the way. If you're interested in the history of tattoos and tattooing, take a look at that. It's amazing. Highly recommend it. At reinventingthetattoo.com, you can also find a full event schedule with full weekly and special event live stream details, as well as access to our Reinventing 24-7 channel, which is a lot like our Roku channel. Uh, it's got 13 different episodes playing 24 hours a day, seven days a week, as well as a whole host of professional development courses from over 20 world-class tattoo artists. Um, artists such as Bob Tyrell and BJ Betts and Andre Malcolm, they all have professional development courses available for purchase at reinventingthetattoo.com. Once again, if this is working for you, please let us know in the comments and in the chats, and please tag a friend who loves tattoos. We have a number of weekly staple shows we always encourage people to tune into. Starting off on Sundays at 1 p.m. with me, Jason Leeser, for the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group. And that is followed on Mondays with three separate shows. Mondays starting at 9 a.m. 
uh, East Coast time, of course. We have drawing for tattooers with James Wisdom, where we go through and we discuss basic drawing techniques and strategies and help us get back to our roots of being a fine artist. Following that, on Mondays at 5 p.m., we have Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple, where we can go through and we've got a safe space to go through and discuss some of these things that maybe make us feel a certain way, where we can go through and discuss these things with other industry people that can understand where we're coming from as far as certain situations and um, certain things that people that don't necessarily tattoo might not be able to understand. Uh, so it gives us a really good outlet for that. Following all of that, on Mondays at 9 p.m., we have a subscribers exclusive drawing group with Sandy McAndrew from the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. And this is only available for people that have a subscription to the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon or the Reinventing the Tattoo Evolution course. I can tell you from personal experience, I would not be where I am today if I did not go through and attend those Monday night uh, classes. Highly recommend them. That alone is worth the cost. Trust me, try it out and see if you don't improve even a little bit after doing that for a very small amount of time. Capping off the week on Thursdays at 6 p.m., we have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast, Fawn Baker where we get to go through and hear about different people's stories about collecting their tattoos. And um, we get to do a deep dive into what it takes to become a tattoo collector. Uh, we do have a special event coming up in October. And that is the Paradise Tattoo Gathering. And that is going to be from Thursday, October 12th through Sunday, October 15th. And that has presenters including, but not limited to, uh, Nick Baxter, Corey Ferguson, Gunner, Thea Duskin, Andy Chambers. Can't wait for that seminar. That's going to be amazing. Lady Sarah, Jake Meeks from the Fireside Tattoo Network, who will also be presenting there. Uh, Tom Strom and Andre Malcolm will all be there and they will all be giving seminars. I cannot wait for it. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, I will be there as well. I will be presenting a seminar on Procreate for Tattoo Artists. So if you are interested in learning more about Procreate, feel free to sign up for the Paradise Tattoo Gathering. Um, I know it's not exactly on their website just yet, but it should be up and going soon. Um, but it's going to be a great seminar, lots of free giveaways and lots of great advice. Um, so highly, hopefully I get to see everyone there, but if not, that's totally fine. We'd like to go through and take a few minutes to thank some of our sponsors some of the people that make this show happen, starting off with worldtattooevents.com, the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. They're constantly keeping everything up to date. As we know, living in this post-pandemic era, uh, tattoo conventions and events are still getting rescheduled every now and then. So if you want the latest, most up-to-date tattoo event information coming to a city or town near you, maybe it's one you want to visit, Take a look at worldtattooevents.com for the most up-to-date convention calendar worldwide. Would also like to go through and thank tattoonow.com, technology for tattooers, the leading edge in professional development, management, and digital tools for tattooers of all levels. 
They're constantly keeping everything upgraded and updated. They are competitive with any type of CRM, mailing list, or scheduling software out there. So if you really want to start attracting the types of clients that want to get the types of tattoos that you really want to do, take a look at TattooNow.com. They are the people that will go through and make that happen. Uh, they've got the technology and they've got the skills. That is what they do. Take a look. You can't go wrong with TattooNow.com. Of course, this wouldn't be reinventing the tattoo without a very personal and professional thank you to Guy Aitchison uh, at GuyAitchison.com. He is the founder and inspiration behind reinventing the tattoo. You can go to GuyAitchison.com where you can pick up a copy of his biomech encyclopedias, some of his DVDs. He's got some custom coil machines for sale, some original oil paintings, and countless fine art prints, all available at GuyAitchison.com. Would also like to go through and say a very quick personal shout out and thank you to the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols, um, the number one resource for people that are looking for information to become a tattoo apprentice or want to know more about what tattoo apprenticeships are like. Take a look at the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. Um, it's going to fill you in on pretty much anything you could ever want to know about what it's like to be a tattoo apprentice. As well, I would also like to say a very personal thank you and shout out to Tatcom and Aaron Williams, the mad scientists. These are the guys going through diving into the science of how tattoos work and then building tools and technology to help professional tattoo artists tattoo even better. So if you're looking for the most cutting edge tattoo equipment and tools on the market, take a look at Tatcom. These guys are literally changing the way that we tattoo every day. Um, their stuff is completely cutting edge and it's absolutely incredible. And every time I talk to them, it's like my mind grows three sizes bigger. Um, they have more knowledge than I can ever begin to express. So take a look at Tatcom. As always, if you like today's show, we always ask that you post a positive review on the channel. Help us get the word out. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button down at the bottom of the page. That way you can always stay up to date anytime we've got a new video or a new live stream. Um, and if you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event or become a sponsor of the community, or maybe you're just looking for a fine art or a tattoo critique, you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com. We will get back to you just as soon as we can. And thank you very much for the intro. Um, and we will close that. And we are joined here uh, with uh, Tattoos by Spirit, Henry, um, who is a regular on the um, Drawing with James Wisdom Monday morning drawing channel, uh, drawing show. And uh, he is here with us today. How's it going? What's up, man? How you doing? Good to see you. Um, doing pretty well. The, doing uh, pretty well. YouTube out there. Good, good. This is my first time on um, Skill Building Sunday, so I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I've been uh, hearing a lot of really great things, and I always love when you come on um, uh, to Drawing with Tattooers with James Wisdom. It's always, you know, it's always an insightful time, you know what I mean? So I figured I'd join. Well, I always appreciate that. In fact, I was just... Um was talking to another one of the presenters up at uh that will be up at paradise gathering this year 
uh, El Chimu, um, who's going to be doing a, a, a seminar that's going to be absolutely incredible. I can't wait to see it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be on like Mesoamerican and um, more like uh, uh, more like Central and South American kind of inspired uh, motifs. Um, a lot of the imagery uh, sticking with very, very kind of traditional imagery as far as what he designs and what he creates. Um, fascinating getting able to talk to him last night at the Pagoda City Tattoo Convention. Um, if you live in or near central Pennsylvania, highly recommend today's the last day of it. Go take a look at the Pagoda City Tattoo Convention. Um, there's an insane level of artists there. Um, Bob Tyrell was there. I got to say hi to him and talk to him for a little bit yesterday. How's he um, doing? Uh, Bob's doing great. He's doing great. Good. Keeping busy. Um, mm-hmm. he, was doing, he was very busy when I talked to him yesterday. Um, Bill Canales is there uh, doing freehand dragons all weekend long. Um, right. And he is absolutely crushing it. Uh, I mean, just an absolutely unbelievable level of artists. Big shout out to Alex over at 12 Ounce Studios. You guys What's are his name? absolutely hospitable. Uh, Alex, um, I've got his business card around here. He's actually the owner of 12 Ounce Studios. Um, and I've come across their work many times in my career. And it's mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend you check them out. What, um, how would I find them? Um, you could easily just do a Google search for 12 ounce studios and the website okay. will pop right up. Got it. Yeah. I'm just but, trying to hobnob with better artists in these days. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, these guys are, they're phenomenal. Um, all the work that they put out after talking to, um, Alex for a little bit, you know, it's, it's amazing just talking to different people that have different ways of seeing things and doing mm-hmm. things. Yes. How much of an impact mm-hmm. that can have on, you know, anyone's career. So that's, right. that's part of the reason why I like to go to these shows. It helps me acquire knowledge that I otherwise wouldn't have. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, reading the, um, the autobiography of Malcolm X. And in it, he said, you automatically know when someone's better at something than you are, that they are doing something differently than you are. Correct. You know, and it's it's amazing when you start to look at life in that kind of an aspect and you start to ask yourself, okay, how can I get to that level? Mm-hmm. Right, right. How, like how can I like, achieve? To my, uh, yeah, how, how yeah, can I do yeah, that? That's who I'm talking to. Yeah, this so is, you um, seek out the people that have the knowledge that you want to acquire. This is Jason Leeser. Uh, this is uh, Skill Building Sundays. They do this <laughs> um, every Sunday. And um, this is my coworker, Edward. He's working on this. Oh, there he is. Hey. Oh, awesome. Pleasure to meet you, man. Yeah, you guys said hello to each other. You can't hear you, bro. But yeah, man, um, you know, just like me working at this shop, you know, I'm I'm just around just better artists, you know, than the shop that I was at before. And it's just, you know, it's just lighting a fire under me to do to do the best that I can. Right. Uh, and let me have you uh, rotate your phone so we can yeah, get you widescreen. Uh, that didn't quite work. Oh. Um. No, 
You might have a rotation lock set up. Yeah. There we go. That's better. Wonderful. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it's been my quest for the past few years. Um, my goal and uh, my dream to acquire this knowledge that some of these other really, really proficient artists have. Mm -hmm. I want to know, yes. you know, what separates them from me? How, right. how do I achieve that level? What are they doing that I'm not doing? What are they, uh, what's in their practice that they're doing every day? Because as, as we all know, like having raw talent is great, but mm -hmm. hard work mm -hmm. will beat raw talent any day of the week. Mm -hmm. You know, right. so what are these guys doing? What's in their routines? What's in their habits? What's in what they're doing day to day that's putting them at such a level? You know, when I talk to someone like Bill Canales, who's literally wakes up at 5 a.m. every morning and draws Whoa. dragons for two hours. And he's been doing that for over 20 years. Wow. And you sit down and you ask him to draw a dragon and he can belt one out in six minutes. Mm -hmm. And it, it's perfect. You know, it's got perfect flow and it's got you know, perfectly articulated fingers and hands and the face is perfectly proportioned and he doesn't have to stop and be like, oh, no, let me redraw that horn or, mm -hmm. oh, man, that nose is too big. Let me redraw that. You know, he literally wakes up every morning at five o'clock in the morning and draws dragons for two hours. Um, and it's something that he started doing, you know, a long time ago. And that's why he's become so proficient, you know, and it's like, okay, well, maybe I need to adopt that kind of a philosophy. Mm -hmm. Maybe even if it's not at five o'clock in the morning, because like me before, you know, seven or eight o'clock in the morning is kind of a scary thing. <laughs> don't recommend being around me. You know, if I'm waking up that early, it's not pretty. It's not, mm -hmm. a, not a good sight. Um, sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing, but, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe instead of doing that, maybe I can spend an extra hour or two in the evening, you know, just sketching and drawing dragons. Maybe that'll put me on the same kind of level. Um, and, you know, obviously, when I would say sometimes doing that. you don't know what you're doing. Are you saying you don't, when you sit down to draw, you don't know what you're going to draw? Or when you're doing it, you're like, why am I doing this? What this is purposeless. No, like, so if you catch me, you know, before 7 a.m. on any given morning, there's a chance if I'm awake, I, I might be wondering where I am. Um, mm -hmm. No matter where I am or what's going on, I, I'm just, my, my brain's not quite functioning at full speed just yet, you know, yeah. because that's kind of outside my circadian rhythm. You mm -hmm. know, the normal time at which I wake up, the normal time at which I go to sleep, you know, it's functioning outside of that, which we can always adjust our circadian rhythms. It's not a big deal um, because it is flexible. And that's part of what being human is. We can adapt mm -hmm. to almost any circumstance or situation. Right. Um, whether or not we want to adapt is a completely different story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's kind of like, okay, well, I say that in jest because, you know, it, it sounds funny and there's a pretty good chance I might be a little grumpy if I'm waking up that early because I'm not used yeah, to it. Right. 
Mm-hmm. That's real. Um, I will probably still know where I am unless it was like a really, really late night beforehand, but I try not to have really, really late nights anymore. So there's a pretty good chance that's not going to be the reason. Uh, but it, it's one of those situations where it's like, okay, well, maybe I can spend a little bit of time in the evenings as opposed to waking up at five o'clock in the morning. I can find the time somewhere. We all have 24 hours. Somewhere. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's like, you, you know, you can sacrifice. I mean, you know, it's like we sacrifice. It's like, what have I sacrificed? I've sacrificed drawing for so much unnecessary right. shit. You know what I'm saying? And so there's so much unnecessary shit that I will be able to sacrifice for drawing. Exactly. You know, it's all about what are you willing to trade off? You know, are you willing to not go out with your friends Friday and Saturday nights and stay in and draw instead? Are you willing to, you know, maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe sacrifice a social life, you know, to Mm -hmm. stay in and work on your craft to get better than where you were yesterday. Um, What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice to be able to be better than you were? You know, I'm willing to give up my, um, my lack of a social life, (laughs) (laughs) meaning, meaning, you know, I'm willing to, to give up the fact that I, don't have any artist friends that I could just call up and talk to and talk about art. You know what I'm saying? That's so, you know, me just developing a circle of just, you know, tattoo artists that I could just call up and ask questions to or just talk about art. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, the energy that it takes to make these plans. Right. Well, and that's a big thing. It is. Mm-hmm. And that's getting outside your comfort zone. Right. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do. Um, yeah, no. Our comfort zones are our comfort zones for a reason, right? I mean, that's where we feel comfortable. It's where we feel like we should be. It's where we feel, um, you know, like we belong. It's everything that, oh, sorry, wrong layers. Hold on. Multitasking squirrel, where? Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, our comfort zones are where we go because that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's not the best place for us to be. It's not. Uh, uh-huh. It's when we get outside of that comfort zone and we, we become used to getting outside of our comfort zone. We normalize being uncomfortable in different situations and achieve for the greater good to achieve more knowledge, to learn more, to you know experience different things that is when we really start to notice growth um you know getting outside your comfort zone and networking with other artists it's not easy because you don't know who you're going to come across you don't know if they're going to be an asshole you don't know if they're going to be a serial killer you don't know you know um i would hope that some of the people that i've met in my life are not serial killers if i've met one or two then i hope i'm on their nice list (laughs) um you know but it it's the base principle like there's going to be people out there and we will be polarized to like-minded people it's human nature yeah yeah yeah, yeah. most attracted to and want to talk to the people that are the most like ourselves Uh um And from and there, you think that you're the only person that like likes the stuff that you like, and you know what I mean. And you find it like, oh, exactly. I'm not the only person that likes Smurfs eating donuts. 
you know, and it's so it can be comforting once we realize that there are other similar people out there, you know, that we can relate to that have the same kind of mindset that are not going to chop us into little bits and, you know, saute us with mushrooms. Um, You know, it can be very comforting to know that and to have that kind of a bond with other people, especially when you have common and similar interests. And it's, I wouldn't be where I am today, knowledge wise or anything, if it wasn't for, for some of the people that I've encountered throughout my life, you know, that have had a monumental impact on the way that I view things, the way that I do things, um, and the way that I am today. Um, and Bob, if you're watching, um, Bob has been a mentor to me since I was still an apprentice. Um, and no, no, different Bob, different Bob. Okay. Um, hey, what's up, Bob? If you're watching, yeah. Um, Bob and I have became friends back when I was still. I think I had just gotten out of my first apprenticeship because that was just heading nowhere, and then was starting to pick up and learn from other people during my second one. And you know, we kind of hit it off talking about art and some of the great Renaissance masters and just different ways of thinking and viewing the world and. Um, he's been a huge influence on me. Um, and you know, we all encounter certain things in life and sometimes we need a little break from the world. And so he ended up going off grid for a few years and, you know, kind of figuring out some life stuff and that's fine. We all need to do that every now and then. And, um, you know, recently he's come back around and, you know, I remember talking to him the other night on the phone and it was like, you know, mind expanding because we're still on the same page with a lot of things. Those uh-huh. core values and principles have not changed. Um, you know, so it you never really quite know where life is going to take you or what's going to happen. But it's some of these people that can really influence just everything that you are and who you are. And it's amazing. Like it, it's it really amazing. is. And what's interesting is, is we as humans are just so, I mean, we're so impressionable as it is. I mean, you know, I know we like to kind of think of ourselves as a, as a whole, as, a, as just this one entity, but in actuality, we're an amalgamation of all the people we've talked to, the important voices in our head, you know, um, and, and a lot of, and the thing is, we can control the, the voices that we can control the people that we're around for the most part, you know, and it just, you know, just like the Verdius says, I mean, if you want to know where you're going to be in five years and look at your friends. And so it's, just, and this is just how the brain works. You know, everyone right. says, Oh, I don't care what people think about me. That's, that is the, the, I mean, that's just not true. Like we all care what people think. We all have, we all, we are incredibly social creatures. We like, I am because you are, you know, right. Um, and just, you know, just, you know, talking about how someone else like this, I've been just enjoying just seeing how other artists put together their artwork, just the artistic process I'm, I've been, I've been learning a, a lot about, you well, know, and every artist really has isolated. a different process and mm-hmm. that can be a monumentally different thing, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm going to create and well, I, I equate it to something like Japanese finger waves, right? Um, uh-huh. I can sit down and I can pick out Philip Blue finger waves from Mike Rubendahl finger waves 
from Jeff Gogway finger waves from you know any every every artist out there that draws waves has their own fingerprint right mm-hmm. you can tell greg irons waves from a mile away you know and those are going to be distinctly different than waves drawn by anyone else because that's right. where his fingerprint is you know mm-hmm. we can study that and we can look at it but that's still unique to them you know but that has an influence on the way that i draw my waves so it, it compounds, like you said, you know. Have you been um like when you uh when you put your like are you like drawing things like from scratch? Um, are you like or are you yeah. normally getting like a re- <laughs> or are you like getting like a reference and and just like tracing that and putting that in there? So it kind of depends. Um, if it's a subject matter that I've never drawn before, um, I'll go straight to a reference and I'll study different images of whatever it is that I need to draw and I'll uh-huh. learn about it, right? And I'll learn about, oh, well, you know, centipedes can't necessarily, necessarily completely spiral around, right? Okay. Because their right. exoskeleton won't allow them to. So I know that that won't, be a practical way to move that subject. Mm-hmm. So spirals are out for that, right? So I'll, I'll take my time and I'll study it and I'll figure out what are the what makes this different than a snake? What makes this different than a dragon? What makes this what makes a koi fish different than a goldfish? You know, what are the intricacies that make things different, right? And I'll uh-huh. sit down, I'll learn about it. And once I've learned about it, I'll sit down and I'll sketch and I'll sketch and I'll break it down to its basic components. And I'll say, you know, um, oh, okay. Um, here's an example, right? So I was drawing, I've got this like base template here, right? Whatever. I didn't even use that. Say I wanted to draw a chrysanthemum, right? Which is one of my go-to things to sketch. I've studied them enough that I know that they've got all of their petals come out from a central point. Right. Uh-huh. So they're very centrally based flowers. I know that they open up and different species of mum move their petals in different ways. They've got different shaped petals. Some have thicker petals, some have thinner petals. Some are really long, some are not quite so long, some are a lot shorter, right? But they're all longer than they are wide. Uh-huh. I know that they've got an infinite number of petals as they move in. Um, I know that, you know, some have some with longer petals tend to have them curl down in more of an S shape. So through studying that and understanding the way that they move, the way that they kind of originate and how that's going to move, that allows me to go through and say, oh, okay, I know that they're going to start off with more of a, a, a circular center, right? where those petals are going to be blooming from. I know that they're going to have a central point where the stem connects that all of those petals come out from and bloom from. Okay. So, so in other words, you know, learn about like, Yeah. Yeah. It sounds yeah. Like you're, because, and that's what I've been doing a lot lately, Jason. Like, so, okay. So my boss put a, he, he pretty much lit a fire under me. He was like, look, okay, you're going to have to start just drawing more. And so I'm, I'm one of the hardest things to me about tattooing is whenever someone wants something, 
that is probably going to the first time going to be the first time that you've ever drawn that thing. Yep. Right. And so what I've, I've been winging it been this entire, my entire career, you know what I mean? I've just been winging it. And so what I'm going to, what I'm starting to do now is I'm becoming a student of that design. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I, okay, I've never drawn a koi, like, let's say that it's a koi fish, you know, let's say it's my first koi fish or whatever. I'm just like, I'm going to fucking draw a skeleton of a koi fish. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to draw the, the goddamn how to do the scales and how the, the, the water glints off of the, you know, so I'm, I've, I've, I've been, just like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a student of this design. So it's like, I'm teaching myself now how to draw koi fish as a person. Right. So Best way to do that. Seems to be that you're doing good. Absolutely. Become a student of every subject matter you have to deal with. And, you know, I, I won't ever forget. Um, this was back when I was first starting out. I had someone walk in and they said that they wanted a lily tattoo. So, you know, okay, cool. We'll set up an appointment. Appointment came, they showed up and I was like, cool, here's your lily. Right. And they were like, oh, that's not the kind of lily I wanted. And I was like, well, but it's a lily. Like, what do you, what do you mean? Right. And they showed me a picture of what the kind of lily that they were looking for. And I was like, that's a lily that, how is that a lily? Like, I don't. And so I started, it, it piqued my curiosity because I just wasted all of that time drawing that lily and it was the wrong type of lily. Right. I mean, I wasn't wrong and they weren't wrong. It just wasn't specified what kind. So that sparked me off on a path of learning about flowers, right? Yeah, and different species and different kinds because a water lily looks very different from a tiger lily, which looks very different from a stargazer lily, which looks different from a day lily, which looks different from a calla lily. You uh -huh. know, and they all have different shapes. They all grow different ways and they've got different looks. You know, so now when someone comes in and says, oh, I want a lily tattoo, or maybe it's someone whose birth flower is a lily, it's like, cool, what kind of lily do you want? And they're like, I don't know, a pretty one. Um, and it's like, okay, let's break <laughs> okay, that down, yeah. you know? Uh -huh. And it's yeah. like, okay, let's find out what you think is pretty. Let's, let's dive deeper into this, right? Um, you know, but becoming a student of everything that you're asked to draw is critical, you yeah. know? Um, mm -hmm. granted over time, you'll probably be asked to focus on, you know, one subject over another subject. Um, and that's totally acceptable. And there are a lot of people out there that sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I, I tattoo primarily Japanese stuff, or I'm doing primarily, you know, neo-trad flowers or neo-trad birds or whatever, you know? Right. And it, they have mastered that subject matter. Mm -hmm. They have drawn so many birds or so many flowers in that kind of a way that they've become a master of that. Mm -hmm. And then that's when they can charge. And that's, and that's when they sit back and they can say, oh, that's a great wolf tattoo, but this is what I do. Mm -hmm. This is what mm -hmm. I am an expert in. Uh, you know, think about going to... Um, Say you're having some plumbing problems, right, at the house. Well, would you go to an electrician for that? No, no you'd go to a plumber. Yeah. You go to right. someone that knows about plumbing, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, if you're having problems with your car, 
you wouldn't go to a general contractor and say, hey, I'm having problems with my car. Can you fix it? Right. You would go to a mechanic, an auto mechanic <laughs> that works on the types of cars that you have, right? Um, we've gotten into, for many, many years in the tattoo industry, it was what, I'll, what I like to consider a jack-of-all-trades kind of industry, right? Where when someone came in, it didn't matter what they wanted you to do, you did it. And you uh -huh. did it to the best yep. of your ability. And, you know, you did the best you could do, uh, whether it was a wolf or a koi fish or a dragon or uh, biomech or realism or whatever. You did the absolute best you could do with whatever they wanted. What we're starting to see now in this industry is we're starting to see more of a shift where, and I hate to use this term because I don't necessarily agree with it, but we're starting to see a shift where people are becoming so highly learned and educated in one type of style or subject that that is like, that is what they have spent their life doing. And they've started to make a name for themselves when doing that. Uh -huh. And it's great because now, instead of having people that go out there and know about you know, uh, car engines and plumbing and electricity and general contracting and concrete work and bricklaying and stucco and drywall and, and knowing a little bit about everything. Now we've got experts in these fields, right? That we can yeah. turn around yeah. being students, not quite being at that level yet and say, hey, you draw dragons all the time. Can you teach me how to draw dragons better? Can you teach me how to draw koi fish? Mm better uh, can you teach me how to draw waves better you know if that's what you've really become learned in uh there's basic practical applications when it comes down to um, artistic elements learning artistic uh ways to do things learning to place things on bodies and create you know focal points and subject matter flows there's basics to understand about art but when you have someone that's really studied one topic to the absolute extent that they are an expert in that one subject, seek them out and learn from them because they've dedicated their life to that subject matter, right? You know, finding a guy that can draw a wolf in 15 different ways is great. I can't draw wolves that well. Now I want to go to this guy and I want to learn from him how to draw a wolf, right? So constantly seeking that kind of information is only going to help us in the long run because what you'll eventually come to understand is that this guy may know how to draw wolves in a thousand different ways and this guy may know how to draw koi fish in a thousand different ways and this guy may know how to draw dragons in a thousand different ways. But there's going to be parallels between all three of them. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. And that's, finding yeah, those parallels, finding that common shared knowledge is what's going to allow you to go through and take any subject matter and be able to draw it at that kind of a proficient level. And mm. from what I've learned is that a lot of that comes down to studying the subject matter. You know, take the time and learn about that subject matter, no matter what it is. If you invest the time to learn about it, you know, perfect example is centipedes, right? Centipedes have an, a hard exterior exoshell 
across the tops of their bodies. It's like plate armor, right? That will not allow them to curl in a perfect backwards spiral, right? So that their mm-hmm. underbelly is exposed. They physically mm-hmm. cannot bend that way. They will die mm-hmm. because of that. I know that that can't move in that direction. Snakes can. So it's automatically going to look weird to the exactly. to, to a person who does not study centipedes. Bingo. Mm-hmm. You know, because logically it wouldn't make sense. You know, logically they would look at it and say, "But centipedes don't don't do that." Right. I, I, like, I don't know doing? why, but this is this weird looking. You yeah. Know? They they might not understand as far as like why it looks weird. But they'll know it's off. They'll know it looks right. weird for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so investing that time into learning about whatever subject matter you want to draw or you're asked to draw is critical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's absolutely something that, you know, I highly recommend for any artist of any level. If you're ever asked to draw something that's outside your wheelhouse, learn more. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, that's been pretty helpful. You know, we all have stuff we enjoy drawing, that we spend all of our time drawing, um, that we would prefer to draw and tattoo. But that doesn't mean that people can't come in and ask us to draw different stuff. Yeah, right. You know, granted, there's different people out there and they've got different opinions on different things. Um, You know, I was listening to uh, Jake Meeks in one of his videos the other day. Jake Meeks runs the uh, the Fireside Tattoo Network, and uh, he's got a very different approach. He'll sit down and he'll start sketching something without ever looking at a reference. And, you know, he'll sit back and he'll say, "Okay, well, I think it's going to look like this. I think this is what makes this look right. Um, And, you know, inevitably he'll get to a point where where he will turn around and he'll call up some references and he'll say, oh, okay, well, this this does kind of look like a peacock, but I need to move the beak. The beak needs to look a little bit differently or the eye is going to be a little bit higher, a little bit further back or, oh, maybe Uh this this little, you know, wobbler thing at the base of the neck is only on turkeys peacocks don't have them so let me get rid of that right uh-huh. or they don't have the um the crown that certain roosters have okay cool let me get rid of that you know so but he'll start sketching to get a base idea a base concept down first and then he will refine it as he continues on you know so it's just a different approach to the same thing He's still learning about the subject, but he's taking a very independent approach to it first, you know, which I think is very admirable. That is actually pretty just, cool. I like that because it's just, like, you know, because it's almost just like refining what's in your brain, you know, and then possibly the, the, the next time since he went through so much, you know, mental gymnastics for the first one, then it'll be just that much more informed on the next time, the next go round. Exactly. Um, now, you know, I like granted, I, I really appreciate that approach. Um, I think it's phenomenal. I just, if someone says to me, I want you to draw me, you know, uh, a Tasmanian devil. Uh-huh. 
I don't have a clue what those look like. <laughs> I can admit that. I don't know. I, I couldn't pick a one out from a lineup of animals. animals. Yeah. Like I have no idea what they look like. Oh, yeah. um, oh, they look like. I know that they exist. I, but I couldn't tell you what they look like. Um, they look like giant rats that roar pretty much. This is news to me. So I'm yeah. now I'm picturing like a big New York City sewer rat that roars. Right. Let's say so, it's a cross between a rat and a bear. Interesting. 800 pound rat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm doing. You know, I, I, I can imagine, um, you know, what you're talking about, but it's like, even though I might've seen a picture of one, maybe 15 years ago, doesn't mean that I can sit down and draw one. Right. I, right. I would want to do my homework first. Uh-huh, I want to know what yeah. I'm getting into so that I can draw it in a more proficient way. Mm-hmm. You know, or looking at historical references, illustrations, um, especially for things like um, botanicals, right? Look at old illustrations, botanical illustrations, where people have documented, you know, in order to record for history, what does this flower of this species look like, right? Look at yeah. old stuff, look at the way that flowers were portrayed in the 13th century, you know, to give you inspiration for different things. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like if you go back and look at the old, like Renaissance, like paintings of like lions, they're all kind of weird. They're, they're all kind of off. That's because they had never seen a lion before. Exactly. Just, like one person saw it and he explained it. And then they were all kind of trying to do something off of that. I just mm-hmm. found that to be so interesting. You know, <laughs> like all the lions from back in the day, they just look weird. So. Absolutely. You know, and that's why I'm a huge advocate of cool. Let me go through and I'm going to learn about this before I ever put pencil to paper. You know, I want to know what I'm getting into and I want to know what things look like so that that way I've at least got a general idea of, you know, how many eyes does a spider have? Right. Because I don't want to draw Uh, two eyes when they've got eight of them. Right. It's like, okay, well, now I have to go back through and revive. Some have six, I think, uh, or is it scorpions that have six? Look it up. I would would like to know that, actually. Let's see. I I know that the number of eyes vary depending on species. Um, But I think most of them have eight eyes. I could be wrong, though. Hold on, hold on. How many eyes do spiders have? Yeah, you're right. Spiders usually have eight, but some have six or fewer. So I was thinking they had six eyes and eight legs. Right. Wow, that's so cool. You don't have six eyes. Now, if you if you do a Google search for how many eyes do scorpions have, scorpions, I if I remember correctly, typically have six eyes. Um, and they're more positioned towards the outer portion of the scorpion's head as opposed to spiders, which have most of the How many eyes, eyes do scorpions have? Does it vary? Yeah, she says it varies. Oh, how many eyes do eyes do scorpions have? All right, here we go. Scorpions are easily distinguished by their long sting bearing tail and pair of pincers on long arms known as 
set of palps of the, or the front of the body, despite having six to 12 eyes, an obvious pair at the center of the carapace and who's the five smaller eyes on it. They have a lot of eyes, six to 12 eyes. Six to 12, okay. Yeah, it's just that you can see them, they're like, like two, like right on the top. It's interesting. I wonder what they see in. Like what, wavelength? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, like the mantis shrimp can see like 12 colors. Can it really? Yeah, something like that. You ever seen anything in Vanta Black? Oh, Vanta Black. Let's talk about it. So, Vanta Black is controversial to say the least. Uh-huh. Um, and we are talking about the actual paint correct yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah okay so vanta black was developed by a scientific laboratory right and then uh-huh. a a guy uh anish kapoor i think was his name i think he's the one that filed the patent on it um but when he filed the patent um he didn't include anyone else that helped develop it. So he is the sole owner of the patent. Um, in fact, let me look this up very quickly because I want to make sure I'm correct. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it's crazy stuff. Um, So there's controversy around the, the creation of, like, the patent of that? Uh, it, there's controversy around the person that patented it. Uh, Anish Kapoor. Yes, correct. Um, so Vanta Black is very, very different than every other paint because it's not actually a powder or a pigment. It's actually grown carbon nanotubes that mm, are okay. actually light absorbing, Right. And they absorb something like 98% of all visible light, Uh uh, which literally makes it the blackest coating that you can put on anything in the world. Uh, Because it's such a highly specialized coating, um, I don't even know if I would call it paint. It's more of like a, I want to say more of like a powder coating. How do you Um, think the tubes are situated? Like, are you, are you, uh, honestly, that's tube, beyond my expertise. Okay. I'm a tattoo artist. I, I yeah, don't know sense. about carbon nanotubes. Understood. Understood. Because I was thinking uh, since they're tubes, I was thinking maybe the light goes inside the hole or something like that. You have infinite goddamn uh, I mean, uh, occlusions. That's plausible. Um, it sounds like it's a good explanation, but I mean, I obviously can't comment with any kind of uh, proficiency or uh, expertise hey, on the doing? subject. Is there anything going to help you with? Give me just a second. I'm. Gonna... Yep. Yeah, but that's okay. Who you, who, who's the uh, consultation for? You can't get around. And I'll mute you for just a minute.
But yeah, that stuff is black. It is 100% or 90 some odd percent light absorbing. Cool. Yeah, it's it's crazy um, stuff, man. Yeah, I heard like, like when it's like I've I seen somebody said something like if you were wearing a t-shirt of Vanta Black, you would, you would look like you were wearing a hole. Pretty much, yeah. Like any type of directional light that's put on it gets absorbed. Um, they and if you do a Google search, you can see pictures of Vanta Black on aluminum foil, crinkled aluminum foil, and it just looks like a flat black spot because uh-huh. there's no reflection because the light gets absorbed instead of reflected. Um, so it creates this pitch matte black look, uh-huh. which pretty much in essence it removes any kind of dimension that a product or any kind of subject can have right because dimension is created by light reflections shadows that are created um and different ways that that light creates the form but if you don't have any light to create a form it's going to look flat and it's going to look devoid of any kind of form Mm -hmm. so it's fascinating stuff to look at it's fascinating that's right yeah and there's and, companies uh, out there that have created blacks that are kind of similar in certain conditions um you know but nothing is really going to compete with that because of how that paint is created uh-huh. um i'm trying to like would you what do you think i wonder if even i guess because it's not an ink, it's not a pigment, it's a thing. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's a, you know what I'm talking about. It's a, yeah. It's a, uh, so we can't do that with ink, as far as ink is concerned. What's been your, um, like, how do you been uh, doing your saturation? Like, like, let's say if you wanted to get something as black as possible. Um, so currently I'm using uh, pan. If I really want to go for like, really dark, solid, tribal black. Um, I'll probably go with Panthera triple black, um, which is really dense and really, really dark. Uh, and it, it kind of reminds me of the old national triple black that was used. That was like so thick and so dark that it was almost impractical to use for anything because of how thick and dark it was. Like it was great for tribal, but you couldn't really do anything else with it unless mm. you cut it or thinned it and, you know, used it for other things. But most people just only used it for like, you know, the early 90s tribal era, um, which if there are people out there that still have early 90s tribal, by all means, you know, I'm not criticizing your tattoo. I'm not trying. Oh, to yeah, but they all look anything negative. <laughs> you can I, tell, like, uh, it's funny. You can, like, so, it's so funny. Like, you, if you've been tattooing for a while, like, you can kind of date tattoos. Like, I can, I can oh, tell yeah. a person when they got their tattoo, and they be like, "Whoa, whoa really?" I'm like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. yep." Yeah, it's like, let me guess, that's uh, 15 years old. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, time yeah, for yeah. A, a refresh there. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, but I've become a huge fan of uh, Pantera Black. It is dark, like it's lining black is dark, like dark, dark. Uh, so dark to the point that you can't 
use it for anything other than lining, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I like. You know, I when I do a black line, I want it to be a black. I don't want it to be like a dark gray or anything like that. If it's supposed to be black, I want it dark. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes in great, goes in easy, saturates really, really well. Um, otherwise, I've been using a lot of allegory black. Um, Raw Pigments has a couple of good blacks. Um, I've used chroma lining black that works well. Yeah, I, I've never been one to like stick with any one given product for too long. Uh, mostly just because there's always new stuff coming out. That's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why would I kind of limit myself to only use one thing? Even if that one thing is proven time and time again, to be really, really good. You know, sometimes there's something out there that, you know, works just as well and, you know, maybe lasts a bit longer. That's right. So I'll give that a shot. How do you do? How do you do do the scale problem? It's like this. So scales are are a bit tricky. Um, Koi fish scales, from what I understand, are typically separated a little bit more. They've got a little bit more space in between them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't quite meet in the middle. And that's kind of what allows them to like move back and forth a, a bit easier. And I could be wrong, but um, I've got a bit of a different way of doing scales than a lot of people. Uh, you know what? I'll just pull it up on here. There. So let's say hypothetically speaking, I've got the belly of my koi fish here, right? Hey, how you doing? Come to see somebody specific. All right, came to the right place. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just blow this up for posterity's sake. So I draw my scales in a very different method. Um, this is just kind of the way that I started drawing them a few years back that I find works really well for me. It doesn't always work the best for everyone, so please keep that in mind. Um, I always start out with, I'll find the center line of whatever boy I'm working on. um, And I'll just start out by doing like some V shapes or some X's across the center line. You know, kind of following the flow of that center line so that I know everything's going to be centered and following the right direction. And I'm not saying this is the best way to do it, but I am saying this is the way that I typically do it. Um, So I start out with some X's and I I may draw some some guidelines for proportion, following the flow of the koi fish. Because you want to make sure that that follows a consistent and even kind of flow um, and the, the scales have a very specific portion. Here's where I differ from a lot of people. Um, I'm going to create a new layer. Instead of creating these parallel lines going down on the side, 
what I typically do is I'll follow these X's at the diagonal angle. Mm. So hold on. Oh. What's up? How y'all doing? My name is Spirit. Now, this might not be the right way to do it, but like I said, it's the way that I found kind of works pretty well for me. Um, they'll follow yeah. this and this kind of a direction. Oh, What's your name, brother? Makai? Oh, my son's name is Makai. Cool. I'll be right with you. I'm, uh, I'm learning how to do something very cool. How old are you? 19. Excellent. Perfect age. You want Roman numerals on your forearm? Excellent. Excellent. Cool. So I'll be right with you. Um, give me three and a half minutes. Cool? Gotcha. Is the first tattoo? My dude. My dude. Oh, you were good hands, man. You good. That's Got what right I like flip. to hear. Tattooers staying busy. Oh, Jason. Yeah. Oh, oh, so that'll give me a basic grid to follow. Um, and now anytime I go through, so they've got this guy. Now I basically just go through and I kind of round things off. You know, round off each one of those squares and that'll give you a great way to go through and kind of position everything that you've got going on. So I could just, so basically all I'm not, okay. So I will look at it as I'm not really connecting these scales. I'm just rounding these squares off. Bingo. And depending on how big you make the grid, depending on the angle at which the, the grid intersects will kind of determine um, how big your scales are. And if they're more long and pointy scales, or maybe they're more rounded, flat scales. Um, so it's gonna kind of help you go through and determine the shape. Like I said, this might not be the most or the best way to go through and draw scales, but it's a very quick little way to go through and figure out everything that you know needs to be done and where certain things are gonna end up. Sometimes you got to play with it a little bit and sometimes you got to right. do a little bit of erasing, but it's going to give you a pretty basic way to go through and do it. Yeah, um, like you know, like making sure that your scales are all perfectly aligned, perfectly sized and all that stuff. That takes a bit of practice to get used to. Um, you know, some of these are off in size. Some of these are off in where they line up. Lay lining. Close. I love it. You know, but it's kind of like a quick way to just rough them in. This is great. This is absolutely fantastic. Exactly. I've been wondering how to do this. This is so I've I've always gotten stuck on the this part, but doing the X's and then oh man, that was great. Oh. And the reason why I do the X's is to make sure that everything lines up along that center line so that you know you've got 
one row of scales going down the middle of the back. And then from there, you can go through and add different effects. Maybe if it's a snake, you can add a stripe. If it's a dragon, you know where your spinal line is. Um, you know, you know exactly where to position your dorsal fin. If we're talking about, you know, a, a fish, a koi fish or a dragon koi or whatever it is that you're drawing, um, you now know where your center line is so that you can line up everything else. And it gives you that perspective and that tool that you need to go through and say, okay, if this is the center line for this fish I'm drawing, I know that this is going to be the horizon line of the body. So this fin out here is going to be partially obscured. Um, I know that this. Hey, I'm gonna, hey, Jason, I'm gonna, um, do you mind if I stay, stay and work? I mean, no. all right, cool. Well, I'm just gonna try to, I'm gonna talk to this. I'm gonna get the dates and stuff and get the drawing and do his paperwork. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just here at work and I feel like this stay on. This is really been. Yeah, dude, more power to you, man. I'm just gonna all mute right. you while you get all that stuff done. All right, cool. That's what's up. But I'll stay on and I'll keep talking for probably like another 30, maybe 45 minutes. Okay, sweet, sweet. I'll let you know when I'm, I'll just be, I'll just unmute myself when I'm ready. Right on. So that's a little trick with scales. Um, like I said, it's not always the best way to go about doing things, but it works if you're kind of in a pinch. So, um, yeah, always, always looking for different ways to do stuff and trying to break things down to make them the easiest possible uh, as far as, you know, execution is concerned and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, just like with waves, right? Figuring out how to draw, you know, finger waves and the way that I draw them, it's fairly easy. Um, you know, once you get the hang of it, back to all. I had all that stuff. Let's, yeah, this is a good one. We'll do different color. Let's do teal. So first thing I want to do is figure out where is my flow going, right? Where do I want the primary apex of this wave to go? Start out with like a little bit of an S curve. Doesn't have to be drastic or anything. You know, and then I just start doing like, I usually try to do almost like a very bumpy line. You know, even if it's just like a pause in the middle, I know that because of how my brush is set, it's going to be a little bit bumpy. So I know exactly where I want to have a jut in the wave. You know, and then all of this is meeting back at one specific line, because if you look at the way that a wave actually moves, there's going to be a center line, the crest of the wave, where all of the wave breaks, but yet all of that wave is coming through the body of the wave as it comes over the top. Um, and actually, I'll go through and I'll stop his video, and then I'll just put that there for now. Um, now you see waves drawn in different ways. Some are, you know, a bit longer and have a bit more of like that S curving finger motion to them. 
you know, for where they really crash and really break, create a new line. This is where I start to go through and kind of add some of those details, you know, and refine things a little bit more. Maybe I'll add, you know, an extra piece coming out from there. Maybe this guy gets two curlovers before I get to a bigger one. Um, and then even here, I could add another little part that comes off the top if I really want to. Here, we'll stick with one. And this just kind of varies everything up so that everything doesn't look the same because waves are natural and waves do not have um, a standard progression. Waves are different. Every single one of them is different. So you have to make sure that they are different when you draw them. Um, this one, we can curl around once. And then we'll give this one a short little guy up top. This one here and there. This one we'll just give like one and then this guy will be pretty much straight. So now we can go through, we'll switch colors, maybe we'll do purple. It'll help it stand out. Why is that not doing what I need it to do? There we go. Better. And these don't have to be perfect because they're waves. You know, if I really wanted to go back through and really kind of refine them so that they were 100% perfect, I would do that in the next phase. But this is just going to give you a brief idea of how I would do it and how it's different than someone else. Sometimes if I don't think a wave is turning out right, I'll go back through and I'll look at my curls and I'll say, oh, this one should probably be more of more of an actual curl as opposed to more of like or, or less of a curled or circular kind of shape. No, but either way, you want to practice graduation that's making them bigger as it goes on and as it curls. Um, I also like to try to line up any of these bumps on the top with, um, if you'll notice, like there's a bump, this one would have another bump, there's one, um, this one's got a bump right there, this one, if I make it a little bit bigger, if I bring this over, that one could have a bump but I probably wouldn't do that. I would probably just bring this back to about here. All right. Back. You working on your own flower? 
Uh, yeah, just some background waves. I think I'm just going to throw some background waves to it. Sure, I'm going to do some script and a um, Bible verse. Hey, man, script is where a lot of us started. I love script. I love script, dude. I'm so glad. And I'm just like, I don't really watch football. Not really. I don't have no team. And I do. Who are you going for? I'm a Panthers fan. You know what I mean? No, but because you are a Panthers, Gamecock, Gamecock, it's it, that's what it is. Nah, it's all about the Eagles, man. You go for Clemson. You can be, you can be a Panthers fan either. all you See, want. I don't like Clemson. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Right. But I'm I am all about the Eagles, even though I don't think they're going to win this year. Like Jason likes the Eagles. I'm an Eagles fan too. <laughs> Eagles fans are perpetual hopefuls. The chances that we're going to actually make it and or win the Super Bowl again this year are. I mean, come on. It took us how many years to win the first time? I don't know nothing about sport. Yeah, well, me either, man. But I can talk art all day long. All day. That is um, my area of proficiency. Yeah, no, that's fact. So uh, I was looking up, speaking of script, um, I was looking up why, uh, at some where it came from, like where script came from. And it, it says something about at some point art was banned in uh, 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 something about art being banned in Islam. And so they were able to use their letters for art. And then we looked at that and we're like, oh, that's amazing. And then that's where kind of calligraphy came from. I mean, I can kind of see that. Um, I'm not positive about the history behind it. I can imagine that there was um, something going on somewhere. But I know that penmanship was originally reserved for Catholic clergy way, way, way back when. And mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. those were the only people that knew how to read and write. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's real. Well, in, in the Western world, um, you know, in the Middle East, I'm not quite sure of the progression there. But um, so that may very well be fact. I know that mm-hmm. Western world has taken a lot of science, mathematics, um, even art motifs and stuff like that from, um, you know, Islamic culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, in fact, they've made an art of doing that over the years and being like, hey, this is mine. It's like, no, it's not. Don't lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, of course not. Yeah, definitely. It's like you appropriated that. Come on, be honest. Yeah, um, even like Paul Gauguin, like that's where he kind of got his color work from. Like he Bingo. Would, uh, travel. Yeah, he would, he would travel uh, to the, you know, uh, to the Caribbean. It was, I don't think it was the Caribbean. Uh, Google it, but, well, that just reinforces a point color. that I have made time and time again. You know, it doesn't matter what you do or what your area of expertise is or your area of proficiency, travel. Uh Travel the world, travel as often as you can, go see the world and 
be amazed at how it's going to influence the rest of your life. Because uh-huh. it you don't will. Even have to, yeah, it will. And you don't have to do anything about it. It just goes into you, you know. Like I was watching my homeboy tattoo the other day, Edward, and like he, he just moved his hand a certain way. I was like, damn. Yeah. Hmm. And sometimes that's started. all it takes. It right. is just going, traveling, observing, and then saying, oh, that's a different way than I've ever thought of doing something. Maybe I should try that. And you try it. And next thing you know, it's that's exactly what does it for you. But you would have never known unless you had traveled and seen it and done it. That's right. Oh yeah, tell me about the tattoo. Uh, the tattoo gathering. Oh, uh, the paradise gathering. Yeah, dude, it is going to be amazing. Um, we've got such an incredible lineup this year. Uh. I'm really excited for a whole bunch of different seminars. Hopefully I get to make as many of them as I possibly can. Hopefully the ones I really want to go to don't coincide with my time slot. Um, Cause I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually going to be presenting this year doing a uh, procreate seminar. So should be a, uh, a good time. So anyone that signs up for my class, um, bring questions and tell me what you want to know in advance, because I will be happy to teach you everything there is to possibly know about this program. Um, it is, I've literally asked the experts how to do certain things and I've gotten some great feedback. So granted, everyone likes to do things in a different way. If you like to do things in a different way, that's totally fine. Won't ever hear me argue against that. Um, but, you know, technically speaking, knowing about features and functions, how to do certain things or get the same kinds of effects as, say, maybe you would in Photoshop or another program. Um, you know, maybe you want to go through and learn how to change the color of something very quickly. That's easy. Um, you know, it, it all kind of depends on what people want to know, but there's going to be all types of seminars talking about all types of things at the Paradise Gathering this year. We're going to have some That's great exciting. collaborative artwork going on at all times after hours uh, in all different types of mediums. So be prepared to see some absolutely amazing stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I'm, I'm, I, I, I send it to my wife. And say, Yo, we gotta go to this. Yeah, it's it's gonna be absolutely awesome. Um, in fact, I was you talking. The you said it wasn't on the on on on. I mean, I think you can yet. go through and start buying tickets already, but I know for a fact they don't have the full lineup listed yet. Um, and I don't know if they've actually started looking at scheduling for it. Like as far as like time slots and all that stuff, um, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they get that posted by the end of the month so that that way people have time to plan, um, you know, but you never know. Um, I know the people that are organizing it have a lot of stuff going on and I can't blame them for that. You know, they're both very busy people. Uh-huh. So it's like when, when it happens, it's going to be cool, but 
bit more advanced notice would be awesome so that that way people know what artists are presenting on and you know they can go through and it'll, i think it'll personally drive interest um you know say say someone had a seminar going on on like um you know koi fish or body suits or dragons or whatever yeah that would be great you know knowing that in advance would probably drive a bit more interest but that's also yeah. my assumption and I don't know for a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely understand. Uh, it might be easier. But no, I look though, uh, I, I love going to like, you know, educational stuff. You know, I can, oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather go to like the educational stuff than the convention, to be honest with you. And then I'll, I'll do the educational stuff first, then I'll go to the convention. Well, you know, doing the educational stuff and going to a convention to me are one and the same. You know, it depends on how observant you are and, um, you know, what you want to take away from it. You know, if you're going there to have direct instruction, yeah, go to a seminar. That's going to be direct instruction based. If you're going there to watch processes, technique, um, and take a look and see how things vary from artist to artist, see what people are using, see how that impacts what they do maybe a convention is going to be a better suit for you. Mm, um, okay. That's right. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. kind of like, you know, you're not that necessarily going to get that from direct instruction. That's going to be more observation. Okay. And then that way you can, you know, you can even just sit there, you can just sit there and ask one artist like, Hey, can I be your apprentice for the day? <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. I've done that yeah. more times than I can count. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that with some pretty decent big name people, you know, going mm-hmm. over and sitting down and watching Nico Hurtado tattoo a color portrait. I've done that. Um, I didn't stay the whole time, but, you know, you sit down and you watch the hand movements. You watch mm-hmm. the subtleties of, OK, are they rinsing out after every color or are they just dirty dipping back and forth between different caps? Right. Um, you know, are they using uh, number 12, you know, long taper or medium taper? Are they using um, a number 10 bug pin or are they using a number eight bug pin? Like what, what are they using and how is that having an impact on what it is they are doing? Um, And that's only really something you can grasp if you're in person watching them work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, other, and it's funny because I remember not too long ago, I was having a discussion with someone at um, that used to work at the studio that I currently work at. And they were telling me, oh yeah, man, Bob Tyrell uses all round shaders. And I was like, no, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he does, man. He's like, so-and-so told me. And I was like, I was just up with him at a seminar watching him tattoo. He didn't use one, not a single one. Mm-hmm. So right, right. where are you getting your information? Uh, yeah, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Right. I was like, listen, I, I have the guy's number. I can call him. Do you want me to call him to verify this? <laughs> is he cool like that? Bob is one of the nicest guys you will ever meet in your life. He is very, um, very open, very honest. You said you have Nico's number or Bob's number? Bob's. Bob's your mentor? No, I, I have Bob. Well, I have Bob, my mentor's number as well. Um, but I also and have Tyrell's. Bob, 
Bob Tyrell. What? Yeah. And no, I'm not giving it out to anyone, so don't even bother asking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I was yeah. just gonna ask. I'm no, I'm, but thanks for telling me that. Totally. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's funny. I was discussing this with someone the other day. It's like the number of artists whose personal phone numbers I have in my phone. It's like if I have a question and I ask them, "Hey, do you mind if I contact you to ask you this question?" They say yes. It's like, oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, some are very open like that. Some are like, you know, listen, contact me if you have an issue with anything, you know, dealing with whatever. Um, and it's like, okay, well, you kind of got to read between the lines there a little bit. It's like, all right, I'm not going to contact you otherwise, but, um, that's also part of the reason why a lot of people are very active on social media, you know, is to ask answer questions from people that may have issues with something so that they don't have to give out their number you know but being able to sit back and be like oh yeah i I could call guy and ask him a question you know if i needed to or i could call you know bob and ask him a question if i needed to or you know any number of other artists it's you know pretty nice to develop that kind of a network um to turn around and say, yeah, you know, I, I can verify that if you want me to. Do you want me to call them and ask them? Do you want me to put them on speakerphone so I can prove you wrong? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, do you use Ron Twitter? No, I don't. I might. You know, I think he might for very small, very specific details, but like most of it's just mag work. Now, the one person I have heard, and I, I can't verify this, so don't ever quote me on this, but I have heard that Paul Booth uses some round shaders um, for a lot of what he does. But once again, I don't know. I've never watched him tattoo. I've never, um, I honestly haven't ever met him, so I can't uh-huh. tell you. You know, and I'm not prepared to comment on something that I don't know about. Uh-huh. So, but it's like, but maybe I can find out. You know, I could go down the Rolodex of people I can call and find out if I absolutely 100% had to. But at that point in time, it's like, no, nah, I'd rather go see him work, find out for myself. Yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's a good point. See where they're going to be. Yeah. Exactly. This isn't the best Japanese wave I've ever drawn, but gets the uh, point across. Maybe if I bring that down and curl that back a bit more, that could look. You know, I, I try to do everything I can not to speculate, not to uh, make assumptions about certain things. Uh-huh. Uh, by the way, this is a really great trick. If you ever want to know if something's going to look right from a distance, say you're planning out a sleeve or a back piece or whatever, even if it's like a detail in another tattoo, uh, uh-huh. a smaller tattoo, and you want to see what it's going to look like from a distance and you're in Procreate, shrink it down pretty small. 
you know, take a look. That's going to allow you to literally view everything all together. And then you can go back in because I know a lot of artists, especially in Procreate, have a tendency to zoom way in. Uh-huh. And if you're zooming way in, you're losing sight of what the piece looks like as a whole. Right. Yeah. So oh, you know, every now and then I'll like zoom all the way out and then zoom back into where I need to be just to keep things in perspective. Yeah, no, nah, that makes sense. And we'll do just that because I'm actually going to uh, start going back and um, redrawing some of my old pieces. That's uh, exactly what I've been thinking about doing as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah some of my old flash that. designs, just bringing them mm-hmm. up to date. Yeah. Especially the ones that I'm like most proud of. Although I, I will say this, I may redraw them like the same concept in a different way. But I am mm-hmm. still going to hold on to a lot of my older stuff because that's going to show a chart of progress. The growth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never throw it away. Yeah, never that. Now, one thing I am working on as far as my water and my waves are concerned, and this is something I'm struggling with myself, is I'm trying to get more of that like Greg Irons kind of look to what I'm drawing. And Greg Irons had a very, very, Greg Irons had a very specific way that he would like shade things as to give it like a very watery texture. Um, In fact, Justin Weatherholtz, I saw a book for sale um, while I was out at Pagoda City yesterday uh, from Justin Weatherholtz. And I wish I had the money to pick it up, um, but I didn't at the time i may still go back through and grab it at some point but um it was a book that you could see very clearly the influence that greg irons had on this book and it was Uh fast absolutely fascinating oh wow um you know, and to the point that, like, you could see, like, the individual, like, nuances, and you could tell that a lot of it was influenced by Greg Irons. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was absolutely fascinating to look at it. I'm starting to think that that's, that's, that's school, like, you know, instead of, like, going to necessarily, like, art school, it's more like, no, you, you, you just expose yourself to artists and artistic process, and, you know. Pretty much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can go to art school and that's going to teach you one thing. And what it will teach you is to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. It'll teach you to think about things in a different way. And that's primarily what art school does. There, it also kind of depends on what you go for. Some art uh-huh. schools are very much um, material-based and they'll teach you all about the different types of materials. They'll teach you all about the different types of um, you know, say using, say you want to paint with oil. Cool. They will teach you how to paint with oils and they'll teach you what surfaces to paint on and they'll teach you what to use to get different effects. But maybe they don't sit down and give you very much hands-on like, no, 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 hold the brush like this uh-huh. and keep your hand like this to get this kind of an effect. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, 
Right. So you okay. have so to kind of be careful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe some art schools are more conceptual art schools. Maybe uh-huh. some art schools are more um, practical art schools where they'll sit down and give you practical instruction. Uh, but a lot of them will teach you how to think outside the box. And they'll teach you to see in a way that an artist sees. Not that you can't gain that information or insight from somewhere else. You definitely Uh can. But it's good to have that kind of a background because it's going to force you to commit. It's going to put you in that path of that discipline to say, hey, guess what? You made a financial commitment to this. Time to do the work. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Like this is what you're gonna. This is what you're paying for. This is what we're gonna do. Exactly. You know, and I think it's that's that's to me part of that's part of like what art schools try to enforce is to me they try to enforce basically the discipline to say, hey, you paid all this money, let's teach you something. Yeah, but if you do that by yourself, <laughs> you know. Right, right. If you have that burning flame inside you already, you know. And there's plenty of artists out there that never went to art school that are absolutely phenomenal. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to me, it's all about gaining that knowledge and yeah. saying, "Hey, you know what? Okay." I've, I've done this. I've been there. I've done that. I've seen this. I've learned from this. I've learned from that. You know, I've accrued this knowledge through practicality. I know how to see things in this kind of a manner. Where do I go from here? Right. Uh-huh. And that's where maybe you don't have to go through and get an MFA. But if you're just starting out, um, say you're younger and you want to start getting into tattooing and you don't have any kind of art background or knowledge um, or you've got very minimal or very basic art background and knowledge and you really, really want to become a tattoo artist, go to art school first. Seriously, it's going to teach you more than you could ever imagine and it's going to put you basically on a fast track to doing better work. Um, Not saying you can't achieve the same thing on your own, it's just going to take a lot longer and it's going to be a lot more of a perilous journey. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things you, you kind of find, you know, as a tattoo artist, you know, especially when you first start out and you weren't, you know, that, you know, you didn't go to art school. It's, you know, it's like when it first starts out, you know, you're, you're doing, um, you know, kanjis and infinity symbols and just, you know, you're, just, you're not really doing art. You're just using, you just know how to use these, these tools. Uh, right. Well, and there's there's something to be said for that too when it comes down to understanding the materials, the technique, and the application process. You know, uh-huh. and that's critical because if you don't understand how to use the materials in front of you, that's like sitting someone down with oil paints and not telling them that it takes forever for oil paints to dry. Uh-huh. You know, and just saying, "Here you go, go and paint." And then they try to move it and stack it. And they're like, oh, wait, this smeared. Why did this smear? Why is this not dry? Uh-huh. You know? It's like, oh, it's oil paints. It's going to take a while for it to dry. 
what would you consider a financial commitment to tattoo school? Good training or no? Uh, good question, Creatures Cave. Um, that was a question brought up on the YouTube channel. Um, and this is actually a question that I saw posed on Instagram not too long ago. Do I think that tattoo schools to train people how to be tattoo artists um, are a good idea? Yeah, you can say it. Totally. And not necessarily. Um, I think there should be a tattoo school oh, nice. for people that sure want now. to teach okay. other artists how to tattoo. I think that should be a requirement. Um, to teach people that want to educate other tattooers to make sure that they are up to par and they're not just going to be slinging misinformation and, you know, bad technique and pumping people out in six weeks to go and like, you know, mess up people. But I think there needs to be some kind of a, uh, a direct educational component um, to learning how to tattoo. Maybe it's not necessarily an apprenticeship. Maybe it's, you know, under a different name or called something different. Um, but I think there needs to be some type of a direct instruction because it's a very personal thing, right? We're literally dealing with changing the way that people look forever. You know, I don't, I personally don't take that very lightly. Um, I take that as a great honor and something very sacred. And for me, sitting down with someone that knew how to execute a properly well-done tattoo was key to me being able to go through and do the same thing. You know, to learn the nuances of things, to learn what's appropriate with certain things and what's not appropriate with certain things. To go through and say, hey, this isn't a good idea doing this tattoo to is too small, no matter what you might read, no matter what might be popular or what might be in style, doing this tattoo too small is not a good decision. And it's going to come back to bite you in the butt later on, you know, from someone that's got that kind of experience. Um, I think there needs to be some type of a hands-on component. If that can be provided with direct instruction, with the amount of care and attention necessary to provide that to a student in some type of a class, then great, fine. But you're not seeing that in most tattoo schools. You're not seeing that in even most standardized education. Um, you know, I, I certainly didn't get that when I was in college. I was in a class with 30 different people. You know, professor would come around every now and then and critique us and, you know, give us some instruction, but, you know, I think for what we do and the sacredness of what we do, I think it deserves a bit more than just having students sit down in a class. Um, that's just personal opinion. You know, I think understanding and learning the basics is one thing. Uh, you know, going through and splitting it up between theory and practice, probably a good idea. You know, understanding the basics of art should be something that, you know, I firmly believe should be taught by people that know the basics of art, um, even if it's just fundamental basics, you know, but if you don't have anyone in there that understands the fundamental basics of art, 
how are they supposed to teach other people the fundamental basics of it? I don't know. That's that's my two cents. No. No, that's real. That's real. You know, you've got, and I see it every now and then as well. Um, you know, I see people out there that, you know, in in my mind, do not do very good tattoos whatsoever, and they've got like four apprentices. Oh. You know, they've even if they've been tattooing for thirty years. That's great. Congratulations for making it in the industry that long and not starving to death. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you should be qualified to teach other people. You know, that's my uh -huh. opinion. Um, you might understand the business aspect behind it. You might understand, you know, the technical side of the craft. Great. Awesome. And that is something that I do believe needs to be taught um, because that goes to show the testament and the fortitude of the person trying to do tattoos for a living. It's like, yeah, let's, let's see what you can do. Let's see what you can put up with, um, you know, because you will be tested and things will beat you down and it's not going to be easy. And you're yeah, going to have clients that come in that are upset that, you know, don't like what you did even years after you did it. You know, and tell you that, you know, either they want their money back or they want you to fix it. And it's like, well, where have you been for the past five years? And understanding those situations, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, so I think there's a lot more that goes into it. But, you know, you see people out there that, in my opinion, shouldn't be tattooing at all that are well, teaching. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like, you know, we don't we don't own tattooing, you know, that's true. Um, that's, that's very true. Um, you know, better artists don't own like the spirit. Like at the end of the day, you know, tattoos are are are, are images that people use to explain themselves to other people without speaking. You know, and that's that's not something that like that we own. Because you, you know, you also got to think like some people cannot get apprenticeships. Not an apprenticeship is not available to everybody. Um, right. You know, some some people can't pay for it, or some some people can't like afford to, or like demographically, um, you know, some people just are just not able to, you know, have these, you know, even like even even apprentices that have these amazing teachers that have been, you know, that just can teach them how to tattoo immaculately off, off the bat. You know what I mean? Um, so. It, uh, I don't know. It, it's it's a hard thing. Like, the only the barrier is the fact that we're opening people's skin up and we're letting people bleed, and so like the spread of disease that's a problem definitely. Um, but you know, you know, even this. I mean, you can kind of even say that like this class is kind of doing the same thing. Whereas like you know the, the 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 tattoo artist that works from home is following this YouTube video and learning how to tattoo. You know, you know. Um, so. It's kind of well, and that's, that's kind of that is true. You you raised a very valid point, um, and that's kind of why, you know, if you've noticed and you watch a lot of my videos, um, I don't really dive into technique very often, um, because technique needs to be observed and corrected on the fly. It's not something you can just say, "Oh, well, I'm doing this, and why isn't this working?" And it's like, well, there's subtleties, there's nuances. You know, and maybe even though you might be following everything to a T without proper observation and without proper, you know, oversight, 
maybe there's something that's a little bit off, you know, uh-huh. that could be compensated for, but you're not going to grasp it because, well, you know, you don't have that kind of oversight. Well, if you don't have that kind of oversight, you can't expect to learn, you know, that technique in that kind of a way. That takes time. Though. That's the thing. I mean, tattooing it so does. goddamn hard for tattooing is, oh my God, like, it's like, you know, it's like, oh God, it's, a, it's, it's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. And, you know, it's, it's still hard. Like a name is still hard to do. I don't give a fuck what nobody says. Like, it, you know, tattooing is not, not easy, you know, and uh, so many of us, so many of us come to tattooing in so many different ways at different ages and different levels of ability, you know, um, yeah. You know, and none of us have made this, thank God, anyway, no one, none of us have made this an actual industry. Like, it's, you know, it's still not an actual industry. You know, we, we say it's a tattoo industry, but it's not. Uh, it's a, it's just something we know how to, we, we people know. It's like, this is like the last bastion of, you know. Well, I think a lot of that comes down to how do we define what an industry is, right? Okay. So you can't. So there's no federal board that you that I have to go in front of to, to be a tattoo artist. Like like if Correct. I wanted to do hair, I have to go in front of the. You know, I have to go in front of somebody. If I wanted to be a masseuse, I have to go in front of like some type of national certification or some something like right. that. You know, here it's just if you know how to if you know how to do this, you could just go get some. For lack of a, you can just go get a certification for you know bloodborne pathogen and uh, CPO and things of that nature, and just you can just. Started, started opening people up and, and putting artwork on them, you know, um, and, and that's just, you know, granted, that's what we, we've always wanted. We, we are pirates and gangsters and at the end of the day, um, but are we, we still want to be free at the end of the day, we're pirates and gangsters. Are we really though? I mean, I get a W2. Uh, Right. Yeah. Well, we're, we're trying so, to keep it. We're trying to keep it as such. I'll say um, there, you know, there are the, people out there trying to keep it as such. Absolutely. There are also people out there that are trying to raise it up to the level of professional graphic artist or professional uh-huh. photographer, um, uh-huh. you know, and they're trying to bring it to that kind of a level of professionalism, um, right. which would require some type of oversight, some type of board regulation or some type of standardization. Um, you know, so then the question becomes, if we have that kind of oversight, you know, is it still going to be the same kind of industry? You know, what would that look like? How would that impact the careers of people that have been doing it for 30 years? You know, they may have to make a lot of changes that maybe they don't want to make. Um, you know, maybe you get people that are out there that just started to invest in all this stuff to like open their own studio and they've only been doing it for a few years, but now we've got some type of an oversight or regulation that says, Oh, you have to be a professional tattoo artist for 10 years before you can open a studio and start teaching people, uh-huh. you know, and now their entire livelihood, everything that they've sunk their life savings into is gone, you know? So does that, how does that factor in? Uh-huh. You know, this is a uh, skill building Sundays with Jason Lisa. How's it going? Going, off of, give me just a second. I will take myself off of Bluetooth. You guys hear each other now? Oh, we can. All hey, right. What's up, man? How's it going? What you working on over there? Uh, just doodling some Japanese waves. Okay. Trying to get more of like a Greg Irons kind of feel to it. 
Nice. Yeah, trying to get that like Greg Irons had a very unique way of getting like a Swiss cheese kind of texture yeah. that really emphasized a lot of the uh, the water flow. So I'm trying to go through and figure that out and just doodling and seeing what comes of it. Paper for the way it looks great. Yeah, yeah, I could yeah. give it more of a um, more of like a Canadian twist if I wanted to, you know, and that would involve doing a lot of like cutouts. You said a Canadian twist? Mm -hmm. You'll see this with a lot of uh, Canadian artists that do a lot of Japanese style work. They'll yeah. go through and they'll do like uh, cutouts, almost like hollows within their waves to show. Oh, okay. So this, if the background was all colored in, you know, they would go through and they would use this as a cutout. So you oh, could okay. actually see straight through that with the background. You know, they might have a few others as well. Um, have like another like loop or bridge here. Okay. You know, and then that would be filled in. Create a lot of depth to it. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, but it's something that you see in a lot of Canadian artists um, just because they they've got such a unique way of doing like Japanese inspired stuff that, you know, they've taken it and given it almost like an Art Nouveau kind of twist. Yeah. Uh, and it's fascinating to see it. So that's why I call it like, a you know, Canadian twist or Canadian kind of motif. Because that's, I picked it up from a Canadian artist that was just crushing everything. So, yeah. Uh, Clint Danroth from Craftsman Tattoo, by the way, if you're ever looking for someone that draws in a very illustrative style that can do waves with insane amounts of movement, take a look at his stuff. Um, I've been tattooed by him and it's absolutely awesome. He knows his stuff like the back of his. You know, James and Anthony, that was uh, Clint Danroth. Clint Danroth. Up at uh, Craftsman Tattoo. Yeah, they do this, uh, they do this every, every Sunday. Okay. Yeah, what time? 12, 1? One? 1 o'clock. <clears throat> oh, Jason, it was nice to meet you, man. I look forward been to it. It's been a pleasure. Watching you again soon, man. Absolutely, man. Feel free to join in whenever you want. Yes, sir. I'll send you the link sometime. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the same Yeah, but this is definitely, you see this kind of um, style, this kind of motif with a lot of these cutouts in uh, a lot of Canadian work. And I'm very heavily inspired by a lot of Canadian artists. Um, I swear that there's something in the water up there. I don't know what's in the water, but it's, there's got to be something going on because they can rock tattoos like there's no tomorrow. So, 
Uh, well, we're getting to be, what's your opinion on the medical train that is, medical training that is required to do tattoos? I'm absolutely all about medical training to do tattoos, 100%. I, we deal with bloodborne pathogens. We deal with people that pass out sometimes. There has to be some type of, of legitimate medical training that goes into it. Um, do I think that we need to be, uh, you know, CDC certified to handle, you know, level four biohazardous material? No, I don't think that. Uh -huh. um, I don't think we need to know how to handle Ebola in order to do a tattoo. Uh -huh. um, I don't think that tattoos should only be done by medical professionals either. Because from my perspective, so is that the rule that they're saying? Is that, is that in what certain saying? countries, that is the way that it is done. Uh, oh. Even in Japan, for a long time, tattoos could only be done by licensed medical professionals. Um, you know, people that are doctors, surgeons that have gone to medical yeah, I'm school. Cool with that. Yeah, I'm cool uh, with that. You know what I'm saying? But that was the only people legally allowed to do it. So now you're taking people that are there that are artists. Are they're removing the artists from the equation. Um, and that's to me kind of detrimental to it because without uh -huh. varying artistic input and varying artistic styles, how do you ever expect an industry to grow that is art based? You know, that's just, once again, that's my thought. That's my kind of two cents on the matter. Uh -huh. um, I think we need to have artistic interpretation. We need to have people that are looking at things from different perspectives. Look at any other industry out there. You know, look at uh, technology, right? In technology, you've got people that are like, oh, well, if we do a circuit board like that, that's cool. But like, what if we did a circuit board like this? Or what if we gave it this kind of technology instead of this kind of technology to really kind of branch out and expand off of what is being done. Um, I think it's absolutely critical to go through and have that in this kind of an industry. Once again, my opinion, my professional opinion, I think base medical training and prevention of cross-contamination, bloodborne pathogens, I think that is an absolute necessity because we do deal with that. Beyond that, I don't see a reason to have like uh, med school certifications or um, uh, a medical degree, uh, you know, to be able to practice tattooing. I don't see or understand the concept behind that. Uh, it's not like we're performing intramuscular surgery. Yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, you know, I could see if they change the rules to be like, all right, you, you know, as if you're 10 years in, if you're grandfathered in, just go ahead and get some, you know, some uh, certified training and then be good. But if it's, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of school that I have to take, then that's going to be a problem. I mean, I'll do exactly. it, but I mean, goddamn. Right, right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Where, where does it stop? If I had to, if it, if it was a forced decision, I'll do it. Right. That's fine. I'm I'm in. I'll whatever it takes for me to continue tattooing. I will do it. Exactly. Um, I don't think it would be necessary, you know. But 
I, I, if it's what I got to do, it's what I got to do. Uh-huh. But give me a break. I mean, and that's what's happening in Europe. No. So that's the way. So Japan was that way for a number of years. They finally got it passed that you don't need a medical degree or to be a licensed medical professional in order to do tattoos. They finally got that passed. Um, Korea is still very much the same way. It's still very much underground unless you are a licensed medical professional. Um, and I think there are still other countries around the world that are that way. Um, you know, there's not really too much we can do about that because it is other countries. Uh-huh. But I will say this as well. Those underground tattoo artists in Korea that are still working, even that don't have medical degrees, they are absolutely crushing it. They That's are cool. pumping out some absolutely unbelievable work. You know, so more power yeah. to you. Keep doing your thing. But hey man, let me see your arm real quick. It is just about time for me to get going. Um, why don't we go through and do a uh, quick sign off? Uh, go awesome. ahead and hey, um, tell us how we can reach you, where you're at, and what's going on. Awesome, man. Well, my name is uh, Tattoos by well, my name is Tattoo Spirit. You can find me at Tattoos by Spirit on Instagram, TikTok, Tattoos by Spirit. And if you'd like to get a tattoo and have a consultation with me, it's tattoosbyspirit.com. And uh, is there anything else that's going on um, by reinventing the tattoo later on today? Any other uh, uh, meetings? Uh, today is Sunday. I don't believe so. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I know that tomorrow in the morning we have tattooing with James Wisdom at 9 a.m. Um, and I think there's going to be something going on. If you are a member of the inside the fireside tattoo network, um, uh-huh. there may be something going on tomorrow afternoon. I'm not quite sure on that, but, uh, you may want to tune in there and check the discord server if you're a part of that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Cool. I'm going to have to check that discord server. I hear so much about it. Uh, it's pretty cool, man. There's plenty of information there. Um, lots of great people that are doing really cool things. Um, and it's a great way to go through and meet people and talk to them about information and, you know, meet up and find out what's going on, like virtually it's pretty cool place. Uh Um, yeah, give it a, give it a go, give it a shot, see what you think. What is it with Discord? Um, so discord is the the platform and there's different servers you can sign up for based on links um you know for example there's a whole discord server for inside the fireside tattoo network uh where you can chat with different people that are part of that there's Uh some for um uh the villain arts tattoo conventions where you can go through and connect with people on that uh there's all different types of you know servers out there that cater to all different walks of life and all different things so uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah that's what's up really nice. so, um i'm sorry i zoned out for a second what did you say about the discord uh there's different servers out there for different types of things and different types of information it's basically mm-hmm. like an old bulletin board system 
where oh. people can go through and make posts, connect with other people, get some information. Um, you well, know, that's how Discord works. Okay. Yeah. I got that. that makes sense. For lack of a better way to define it, that's exactly the way it works. Okay. All right. Yeah. Damn. Cool. Cool. Well, all right, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. How can we? Uh, how can we reach you? Um, I am on. Uh, I'm tattoos by spirit at Instagram, tattoos by spirit on uh, TikTok, and tattoosbyspirit.com. Awesome. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you uh, very much for jumping in today. And Absolutely. Um, uh, let me switch this over real quick. Where is there? It is. So for those that are still watching, uh, my name is Jason Leeser. Thank you guys for watching today. Um, uh, really appreciate you for jumping in here. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I'll make sure to send you the link for next week as well. Um, until then, hope you guys enjoyed today's session. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button down at the bottom of the page. Uh, make sure to stay up to date with all of the new and interesting stuff going on here on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. My Instagram is at Philly Inc. You can find it right up here. Feel free to send me a DM if anyone ever has any questions, comments, concerns, topics they would like covered during next week's session. Or if you just want to say hi, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, until then and until next week, uh, take care, everyone. Be safe. Keep those hands moving. And um, yeah, I will see you next week. All right. Yay. Yeah, thanks a lot for uh for joining us today. For sure, for sure.